your perspective. Welcome to the Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Clark. All right, we're going to have we're going to have a little bit of fun today. This episode closes out the Local Maximum for 2018 and opens up the show for uh, for 2019, and uh, and yeah, we plan to keep going. So first, I'm going to play my podcast recording from the Foursquare Company Talent Show a couple of weeks ago. This was my first attempt at a news style comedy. It was a lot of fun. Uh, there were a lot of other great acts too at the Foursquare uh, Company Talent Show that we do every year at the end of the year. A lot of music, a lot of dance. Uh, this was the only podcast recording, so I played with the audience a little bit. I gave a shout out to other employees who have been on the show and then did a little a little uh, 2018 news, uh, tech news year in review. And uh, after I play that, that's about seven minutes, I will talk to Aaron. We will go over reactions, some of the recent interviews with Miriam on Google and Shani on the audio internet. And we'll talk about our favorite episodes over the last year, our favorite episodes of 2018, the full list of topics, and some hopes for the show in 2019. And I'd like your comments on it too, localmaxradio at gmail.com. Hope you enjoy. Let's pull up the audio from the Foursquare Talent Show in Fat Denny's Cafeteria. All right, so here's the deal. Every week since February, let me put this up a little bit. Every week since February, I've been recording another episode for this podcast. It's called The Local Maximum. Uh, I have guests. I have analysis of the tech industry and trends. And I do machine learning tutorials. So who's ready for a tutorial on Bayesian inference? Yeah! No, I'm just kidding. I'm not doing a tutorial on Bayesian inference. I only have one thing to say about that, and that's I don't care who you are or where you come from, everybody has a prior. You say you don't have a prior, I'm on to you. All right, that went over everyone's head. I don't know how to do stand-up, so I'm hoping you guys are in a good mood today. And this is the 2018... Foursquare talent show. So what is my talent? I'll tell you what it is. It's going into a room and talking to myself. Huge talent. And when you're not talking to yourself, it's even worse. So today I'm going to give you the secret to conducting a podcast interview. So first you find the smartest, busiest, and most successful person that you know. You invite them into a room with you to talk. And then they're forced to watch you fuss, fuss with the microphone for about 20 minutes because it's not working. So every single time, that's how they do it. All right, and here's another secret to conducting a good interview. One time I was reading this question to a guest and halfway through the question, it happens sometimes, I realized that the question, it didn't, you know, it didn't make any sense. So naturally I tried to kind of pivot to another question and then I just got confused and screwed up the second question. So the guest was probably like, Hey, I don't know what this guy is talking about. So he jumped in and he answered a completely different third question. So here's what I do. I go home, I delete my section, I record the question that I never meant to ask but was actually answered, and the next day everyone's like, wow, you're such a good interviewer. I don't know how you do it. Your guests never dodge your questions. So basically, cheat. That's the answer. So I don't have a sponsor yet, and I wanted to ask this group, does anyone know anyone who works at Squarespace or Blue Apron? I don't know, maybe I have an in, I hear a few people, all right. So now people ask me if I've had any famous people on the show, and there are a few people that you may have heard of. Stephanie Yang, on episode three. We talked about four square venue ratings, early episode, a very fun one. And just this week, Enrique Cruz, we talked about tip ranking. Chris Conception, natural language processing. Mariam Ali on internationalization, I think she starts next week. Marissa Chaco on building great products. We had Sarah Spagnolo on publishing data stories. And, yep, yep, and on episode seven, Dennis Crowley, Finding the inspiration for building great things. 
So let's thank everyone for the groups who's up there on the show. Now, this is going to be part of my, my New Year's episode, actually. Um, so I assume that there is going to be an obligatory year in review for the tech industry. And 2018 was a really strange year to start this podcast. I think in any other year, I would be able to talk about all the great products that came out in that year. But this year, it's all about the wonderful products and features that are being shut down. So let's start with Google. So Google is getting rid of Google+. It's sad, I really, I like Google+. I always had such a great time on Google+, during my quarterly login. Uh, I'm serious though, it was a lot of, it was good. And they were gonna give us some time to grieve and say goodbye, but then there was a data leak somewhere and someone at Google is like, put it out of its misery, shut it down now. And they're also getting rid of Google Hangouts. Did you know this? Yeah, they're getting rid of Google Hangouts. Hold on, hold on. It turns out that we'll still be able to video chat and we can still use it for business. But don't worry, Google will make sure that no one is using it for fun. Can't have that. All right, the next story is Tumblr. Their office is across the street here, so they can probably hear me. Tumblr is going to be purging all of the pornographic material from their platform. This is true. So I feel like Tumblr banning porn would be like Gab.ai banning Nazis. They all say, we are a respectable content platform, but everybody knows what's really going on. And finally, the last one I want to bring up, Facebook. Big, big milestone for Facebook in 2018. Big milestone. In 2018, Facebook finally disappointed their last happy user. Huge accomplishment. I think I figured out what the problem is with Facebook. It's all the people. See, once you have more than one person, a social network starts to be trouble. I know this personally, because in college, I built a crowdsourced venue database, and I showed it, I was user number one. I showed it to someone else, user number two, and within five minutes, they ruined it. I was like, I, you can't create bar pizza. I just created bar pizza. Now it's in there twice. My venue database is destroyed. It was literally perfect before I invited the second person. So, and it's the same everywhere. I bet the second person on Twitter immediately started annoying the first person on Twitter. You know, they were probably like, delete your account, Jack, something like that. And I don't even want to get into what people asked Marsbach for. Ugh. All right. Yeah. So let's not forget, we talk about user number one and two. Let's not forget that in Foursquare, Dennis is famously user number 32. User number 32, think about, think about what that means. It means that he just invented Foursquare, he got a clean start, he logged on for the first time to the greatest app ever conceived, and there were already 31 assholes waiting for him. And they were all creating airport venues in the East Village. I know this, see, I know how it works. All right, the show's on every week, localmaxradio.com, the local maximum on your podcast app. And you'll hear this clip on New Year's. Let's hear it again from the Foursquare audience. All right, Aaron, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Live audience for the first time. I think that was like um, 150 people. I, I was going to ask how, how big a room that was. It, 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 uh, they sounded enthusiastic. Perhaps uh, there had been some chemical assistance there. <laughs> there. There was. There was, even though it was a work event. Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> and by the way, I have no idea. There was someone, as I listened to it again, I don't know if I really heard it when I was, listen, when I was performing it. You were, you were too but, in the zone? Yeah, but I have no idea who exclaimed, I love you, Max. At the beginning, I, if that person is listening now, uh, please come forward. I want to know who my secret admirer is. <laughs> so that, that was your, your first time doing, doing stand-up like that? Stand-up, except I, know you've I was done sitting down. Before. Right, right. It, well, right. So it was kind of in between because it was, um, 
I wrote a, I, I wrote out my uh, I wrote out my script and I was sitting down at a desk, so it was more like kind of a newsroom weekend update sort of a thing. Trevor Noah, Max is coming for you. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, aren't there all of their uh, ratings way down? Um, I'll, I'll be know. honest. Uh, I haven't watched any of any yeah. of those comedy news shows in a while, and I have seen Weekend Update recently. But well, I, I feel like this SNL season has not been their strongest. But that's, our, that's way our off ratings. Topic. Our ratings have grown infinity percent this year, so we're going <laughs> to cross them at some point. Uh, <laughs> you know, we we can only claim that stat for for so long, and and soon we will be at the one year plus mark. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I still, I, I'm going to post impressive numbers next year. I know that. Um, so did you hear? Because I have a plan. I'm not going to. Well, it's a pretty, <laughs> it's a pretty straightforward plan. It's no nothing, nothing too clever uh, to grow the audience. But you know, put a lot of work into it. Um, did you hear my uh, interview with uh, Miriam about Google a few weeks ago? I I did, and some some interesting things to hear there. Like I, you you kind of alluded to this. Uh, it seemed like the. The most interesting piece was was the perspective, and that she wasn't, uh, you know, a, a Google PR spokesperson. She wasn't someone who left on on less than stellar terms. It wasn't someone trying to sell a book or or pimp a product. Uh, and so you you kind of got a unbiased is maybe not the right word, but but the her perspective was not being colored by by any outside influences. It seemed so. Yeah, so that was exactly. See, you get worthwhile. It. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I feel like the interview part was very interesting. Um, it sounds like, um, and that that might not be the part that people are interested in. I don't know. That's the part I, I got into because that's like how pe- how they get people in, and the fact that they don't talk to each other afterwards was very interesting. To yeah, me. that was both disconcerting and then in retrospect not entirely surprising. I, I think it ties to another thing that that kind of came across in the interview that I hadn't given much thought to is that Google is so enormous. It's such a large company that that you kept asking her questions about, well, how do they do this on the search team or how do they do that? And so, right, right. Well, right. I, I I I maybe know a couple of people who are over there, but I don't interact with them and so I have I have no insight <laughs> into it. And, I was hoping that they that I was hoping to get kind of the um you know like the company line on these things. Like there's mm. definitely the company line on like don't be evil Organize the the world's information, like that that sort of thing. So e- either they need a, a a better internal PR, or or they really have siloed all of that stuff. Yeah. So so it's well, and, yeah relevant teams only. Another thing I found interesting was the talk about. So I I believe that it's very difficult to for like a rogue employee to sort of. Um, Oh yeah, all, break, all the audit stuff and yeah, kind of internal I, security. Yes, yes, I, I think it's very difficult for a rogue employee to like start messing with people, um, and I don't think that happens. But it is interesting that there is kind of this activist culture of people who will uh, who will go to great great lengths to um, promote their causes, even if it's outside the Google cause at work, which um, mm. doesn't surprise me that much. But I. I I found it interesting that she said that. And so I sort of feel like, um, but I, I do feel like, not that I'm confirming every, everything I say, but like the, the, it's the, it's the QA bias. It's what you, it's what you want to check is, is what matters most. Yeah, I'm, like, what, what I'm curious doing? whether, whether that results in a chilling of certain viewpoints because they don't want to speak up because they feel that they're in a minority or if, uh, because of the the nature of of who works there and their process, that it, it it simply biases towards hiring people who hold certain viewpoints, uh, and and when I say I'm curious about that, I I say that acknowledging that okay, even if I were able to come up with an answer to that, what would I do with that information? I I have it, no idea. Yeah, but it's just it's, it, it it tickles my brain a little bit. It sounds like there's a variety of viewpoints. They have no litmus test on who they hire, but. There is sort of a, there's sort of an encouragement to being. Um, I feel like there's kind of encouragement internally to being kind of an activist, but you have to stay within certain bounds. Um, yeah, and, and that could be a, a cultural side effect that because yeah. of the type of work they're doing, or at least the type of work that Google used to do and and has formed the image, the reputation for Google, it attracts people who are more likely to be 
activist in their nature because because they care about changing the world for the better. Uh, and, right. and so that's not necessarily what that's they're what hiring for, but, yeah. but they end up with people who have those... You know, a lot of companies they have a type, and and that may yeah. be one of the defining characteristics of the Google type. Yeah, it's interesting though. Like I feel, I feel like at Foursquare, admittedly, like a small company, people have very strong personal views, just as strong as Google, perhaps even more. But it doesn't come into the workplace as much. Um, I I don't know if I could get. Um, if anyone would confirm affirm that, but uh, I could probably ask Miriam <laughs> next week. But uh, uh, that, that's sort of how I feel. Um, but yeah, and that's yeah. that's tricky stuff because to do any anything beyond anecdote with that in terms of collecting data uh, becomes very tricky. It's a it's a touchy subject. Yeah, well, I, it's always a, a very touchy subject. Is like the approach to diversity. There's, I I would agree uh, with. I actually would agree in that controversial memo that a lot of the programs started in the name of diversity are usually, you know, to pad someone's resume, to make the company look good um, and doesn't do much. Um, but I've done work uh, in, in the name of, well, in the name of diversity, really, really other stuff for Foursquare. Like for, so Miriam and I, for example, we go out, uh, we were part of this uh, wonderful program called Beyond Coding, and we go to like kind of the local schools and teach soft skills and try to get people into the industry. But is, I sort is of this high schools or, or no, 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 colleges, uh, uh, or... Uh, colleges uh, uh, City University of New York. We go okay. to Toro, and it's like okay, like those people happen to have, I would say, like different, um, probably different gender balance, different ethnic balance, different socioeconomic balance. Uh, than uh, than with the average person in tech. But it's also the case that they're more likely to be the people we overlook. You don't have to get everyone from one of the top schools. A lot of people can do this computer science work if they've been through these other schools. And um, it's sort of like to aid in the recruitment process for the, um, you know, for the, for the industry in general. I sort of feel like, okay, uh, a lot of these diversity initiatives are bad. My, I, I kind of feel like there's a way to sort of join it and do it the right way versus just complain about it. Yeah, um, well, s- specifically say- on that note, I, I have perhaps some, some interesting insight, and I can I can throw a, a big-name company under the bus on this. Okay, uh, go so for it. I, don't I don't get yourself fired. <laughs> but, but I do have uh, some some past experience uh, in, in, a, in a previous career in, in career development. Uh and so, so I, I only mention that because it, it perhaps gives the false impression that I have the credentials to speak knowledgeably on this. So uh, uh, one of my colleagues formerly worked at, uh, at General Electric, G, uh, yeah. in, their, in their aviation division. Uh, and and, and he, he mentioned that they have – so they have a, a, a great uh, leadership development program. They call it the Edison Program. Um, where they they take people right out of uh, college and and they they run them through like a it's a, a two or a three year cycle where they they bounce you around between different locations working on all sorts of different projects and and uh, I believe you you do your masters as part of this program as well and the idea is that from that that crop are the people who will be the the future you know team team leads uh, division heads uh, perhaps eventually uh, you know business heads within the company um, on on the technical side. Uh, and they, they've gotten stuck in a bit of a recruiting rut because while they recruit in many places for that, uh, something like, uh, and I'm throwing out a number, this may not be the actual number, but a, a majority. So, uh, the number I was going to throw out is like 70% of the uh, entrance into the Edison program are coming out of a single university, which happens to be the university, uh, the, the, like the largest technical university closest to the main facility for their aviation business. That makes so, sense. So you they're not they're not recruiting well. the best and the brightest. Right. The HR department or you know, their their recruiting group is recruiting the best and the brightest of what is easily conveniently available to them, and and so they they have a, a huge bias towards that. Which they have lower could, acquisition costs, and and you could argue that uh, they're they're getting a lower yield out of that group. That that. Uh, a smaller percentage of those. Uh, what do you mean lower yield? So, so a smaller percentage of of the people that they recruit into the program from that university make it through the program, or make it through the program plus five years or, or whatever at the company. Sure. Compared to other schools, uh, but but that hasn't caused them to change that 
approach. It could be uh, that, like I said, the cost of getting people from that school into the program is probably less than going yeah. out all over the country. And and so I, I I mentioned that primarily because if if you have a system that that works or seems good enough or works in a a given time and you know a moment in time for your company, uh, then it's really tempting to kind of freeze that in place. And I think that may be some of what Google is suffering from, that they they, were, they had this reputation for having a, an innovative and challenging hiring process, but that was like a decade ago. And yeah. and I don't know that they've evolved it much. Uh, and so what, what worked well then uh, has not necessarily kept up with the landscape. And, and I'm talking about Google? Of, yeah, yeah, Google yeah, well, in this case, yeah. Well, nah, yeah, I mean... I went through it a decade ago. It was not very good then. <laughs> Mainly because they didn't hire me. Well, they're lost. <laughs> oh, but uh, look, um, no, nah, I, I agree with you. I mean, there's the same thing with product bias. Is there's recruitment bias too. And I think to expand your set of potential people to recruit for, you go after the, the marginal person, the person that maybe – has kind of a lower cost of uh, of of talking to, um, maybe has a good chance of actually being good and being able to do the job, but you might be missing in your in in your current processes. Because I do think there are a lot of people that we miss, and it's worth going after them. Um, but like, there's also a competitive uh, piece to it too. That if if you're going yeah. after what what appears to be a limited pool, uh, it may be in your interest to instead of going after the same candidate that all the other companies are going to be trying to recruit, go after somebody who is a little bit less typical, who it might require a little bit more time and effort on on your end to develop them, uh, but but who you you can you know develop more loyalty to your company because you've helped. Uh, help them grow as as a, a a person in their their career, you know, technically or or otherwise. Yeah, um, like I, as opposed to someone who's going to jump ship to the next uh, tech company that's going to pay them, you know, more and offer them better stock options. Right, right. I would just, I, I mean, <laughs> if I started a company, I wouldn't mind just hiring all kids from Brooklyn. They just work really hard and they know a ton of stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's there's definitely uh, a, a difference in in philosophy there to to. Yeah. To take so, that approach. I, I feel like I was going somewhere with this. I don't really, uh, I don't <laughs> well, remember we, what I was saying. Yeah. We, we, were, we were talking about Google and some of the inside uh, views on, on their hiring process and, and we oh. kind of went off the rails there. Yeah, yeah. No, I, was, I feel like it was something about, um, it was something about recruiting. Uh, that's okay. Oh, yeah. well, well, and, we'll move and on. Y- yeah. you, you'd mentioned the memo and, and until it came up in the interview, I'd completely forgotten about that. And yeah, yeah talk, talk about Talk about hot button issues and touchy subjects. Yeah, uh, I people ask why don't I dive into the the claims made. I, I you know, that's that's too long of a discussion. Yeah, I, it's it's another subject, and and I don't yeah. know that, that that this is the right venue to to re yeah relitigate I, some of those things. I thought it was interesting to go through some of the suggestions he made and some of the um some of the claims he made about Google because he, he made some claims, but it was like, okay, what's, what does that really mean? Like, hmm. uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, what's their high level company goal that, that he's talking about. That, that yeah. Well, and, and she did mention that he, he presented the paper in at least a very scientific sounding fashion. Um, I think he might've thought that that would have, um, that would have gotten him, Able more to traction. Get these ideas passed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it it makes it more difficult to tease apart what is him following, you know, certain speech and thought patterns to make it sound legitimate, and what is actual, you know, real truthful. But truthful is the wrong word. But you know, what what are the facts and what is being uh, perhaps massaged in there? Um, yeah, because because I'm I'm sure there are some things that that should not be taken at face value, uh, as as with every position paper, uh, it's it's, it's sure. called a position paper for a reason, not a uh, a statement of facts. So, but but yeah, yeah it was it it started the wheels turning on that again, which I I, I don't know that I want to get too too deep into that uh, any anytime soon because no, I think we should move on issue, before we but, get. Yeah. We're probably going to get a lot okay. of letters already. <laughs> well, have, uh, you you said you you got quite a bit of feedback from that. A little Is, bit, yeah, a little bit. So I, um, I, I look forward to, to to hearing some of the the listener feedback that we can dig into. Uh, okay, maybe, maybe cool. In a later I, episode I almost want to get into like a specific, like someone to ask me a very specific question about something that we said because a specific question I can answer directly on the show. Hmm. I think, um, 
but sort of but the but the sort of general ones where people are just kind of uncomfortable with the subject it's hard to it's hard to respond to that um but uh moving on i don't know if you got a chance to see the one with uh shani that was this week i did um, although i did not see it i listened to it which, I, which seems very uh, appropriate for the subject yes well i was, <laughs> i i saw it because i was there but um no it was i've been trying to get shani for a long time like six months and we finally scheduled it so that was great and I'm excited for the audio internet, but I think it's going to be a long road uh, to get to... I've been thinking about these innovations since I was doing radio 15 years ago. And it's just like, I um, I don't know, uh, you know, how do we get that interactivity back? How do we get, how do we do ads right? Maybe doing ads right is uh, a little bit more possible just because there's so much money going into it. Mm. Um, but... Um, Man, I, I really wish – I do think the one thing that I would push back on, I think she's right about the ads being like lifeblood of the internet now and all this free information. But I do feel that the over-reliance on advertising is the reason why all of these great um, um, product improvements, for example, in audio, like turning audio into a internet-like thing where you can um, – where you can click through and everyone figures out what the perfect interface is. And it's a difficult problem. It's going to have a lot of money going into it. A lot of, like, as she said, a lot of people trying to do it. I feel like, I feel like our business models are not allowing for that. So there might have to be a business model um, innovation for that to come. Yeah. Through. Well, it, it, it certainly seems like it's going to be kind of a, a platform issue more than, than I, I guess the, the way I'm thinking of it, the, the equivalent would be, for for the text internet, uh, yes, somebody came up with with HTML and and you know how hyperlinks work and all that. But what mattered was getting the browsers to adopt that that standard and all play by right. the same rule. Well, I so mean, he invented you, the first browser, so but yeah, right. But you don't want to be st- well, and and now that there there are so many different platforms, you know, if if Apple, uh, if if iTunes comes out with a, a certain interface, uh, but Spotify and Pandora and Stitcher and SoundCloud and whoever else don't don't jump on that bandwagon or or if it's kept proprietary, that's not going to change the industry, or or if it does, it'll be very different uh, than than everybody kind of working on the same open standard. Yeah, I would like to see. I mean, there has been a lot. There have been a lot of startups trying to do things where hey, you, you upload these podcasts and people can, uh, and I've seen this. People can like tag different sections of the podcast like they could tag a certain part of our conversation as being a point that contains this um like 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 is like we're talking about a specific subject here i can yeah. like tag this part and i've seen a lot of stuff with that i mean vimeo did a lot of stuff with that in the videos but it just didn't come through i think maybe the business model isn't there that's the um that's the problem well, and, and as far as interface the the other piece of that is it's it's not just the distribution platform um but it's but it's the player, you know. So I I don't listen to my podcasts using iTunes or uh, SoundCloud or right. or Stitcher. I I use you know a third party app. The player and, is and the browser. Have, yeah, if if you have a a uh, you know an ability to skip ads and and do other things or you know essentially bookmark chapters in a podcast type thing, that's yeah. going to be entirely dependent on how the player interfaces with with that that protocol that standard. Right, the, right. It's the other, it could have to be ahead. something that, like, where the player, um, the player does the voice recognition, and the player does the content tagging, and the player does all of that for you. Like, it's not, it's not literally markup. Hmm. Um, it's not like someone's going through marking it up. It's the, it has to be on the player level. Is another possibility. So, uh, a place where where some work has been done to try and improve. Uh, or, or or add uh, kind of context markers to to audio uh, going back years uh, decades actually is is in recordings for the blind and dyslexic um, which which used to be um, it, it, it at least goes back to the days of of uh, audio tape um, you know tape cassettes uh, and and it was also present in the days of, of compact discs for for CD players uh, but 
But what they did essentially is they had a certain series. I see of, another of history audio podcast tones. coming on, <laughs> <laughs> and and so it was it was kind of like the I don't know if you ever had these when you were a kid, but you get um, a storybook and it came with an audio tape, uh, sure. and they and it would be you know when when you hear this tone that means to turn the page, and it, it was right, right, a, right. a more advanced version of that for reading you know more more advanced books, and so they're you know tones for for page turns and chapter breaks, and and so you could could keep track with it and there was ability to play it, you know, at multiple speeds. Um, so it, some, some of those things are, are kind of rolled into uh, modern audiobooks. Um, but, but there's, you know, it, it was, it was a way of trying to embed additional information into the existing material. And, and I don't know that that's something that, that you could do with audio. It's, I'm, I'm imagining kind of something from the touchtone era. So, um, when it used, to, you know, you, you still get it, I guess, in some phone trees. You know, push push one for uh, for you know, push one for English, push two for Spanish, or or, or something like that in a phone menu. Um, and it, it used to be all based on the tones that the keys on your phone made um, before it, it all went digital. Uh, and so, if you didn't have a touch tone phone, you could try and in, imitate the the frequency of of that key. Uh, and I'm I'm envisioning a system where to uh, to skip an ad, you have to screech an appropriate uh, frequency noise into your into your, your <laughs> that player, would be so which w- would be hilarious, but absolutely not practical. No, so no, not I don't know why I went down that that rabbit hole. Not something I want to but... see happen on the subway. <laughs> um, it's bad enough when everybody gets the flash flood warning at the same time. Mm. Um, yeah, so this is the end of year show or the New Year's show, I guess the beginning of the next year's show. Um, so yeah, we've come a long way this year. Um, you've come a long way this year. I don't think you really, I don't think you technically signed up to be co-host on the show. Kind of just happened. <laughs> well, last time I looked at it, I'm on on less than fifty percent of the shows. So yeah, well, so I'm, I'm I'm only a, a, a part time. Well, but that, I mean, we're all part time. So I got this question for you: What was your favorite show uh, of the ones that you were on? Okay, so I, I got some advanced warning, so I did look this up, uh, yeah. but but hands down, um, and and probably because of the uh, level of reaction that it got, uh, I'm going to go with oh. episode 14, uh, robot com- robot communism sucks, uh, and AI <laughs> on on line one. I've got to read that. Did you get any specific uh, feedback from that one that I'm not aware of? No, no. I just I think that p- part was that we 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 seem to get good good listener engagement on that. Uh, and, oh yeah, and the topic kept coming back up and and we kept trying not to refer to it as 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 the communism article uh but but we failed miserably because yeah every, every time. <laughs> it became the communism article <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you who don't remember that was the one where um it was a professor in china so he's a it is like um you know communism is not a bad word there, but he's talking about how AI will lead to like perfected communism or something like, am I right there? It was, it was something like that. And so we I, talked about it. I forget but whether it was, it was perfection of communism or collapse of capitalism. Or capital, right. Colla- something collapse along of capitalism those lines. Yeah. And it was the, uh, what was, now that's not strange if it was just in China, right? That's like part of the ideology, but it was like, it was, uh, it was published in the Washington Post, made to sound like it was something that like Americans might want to believe, and it was just so totally, um, <laughs> it was just so totally off the wall. And I think I, I I also think that got a really good response. That was the top show for a while until we grew grew the show. Other things came up, but that was the first like top show. Um, the one that came. After that was the top show now is, well, episode zero, a lot of people come back to, but the one with Chris Messina that I did on uh, conversational commerce, that's very, uh, that, that has one of the highest numbers. Um, looking back on the shows I did, it's really hard for me to pick among all my guests because I had so many wonderful guests. I don't like to choose favorites. Um, one of the conversations we had that I really liked was, I think it was episode 33, uh, it's called ads, bias, censorship, democracy. I like that ABCD. And <laughs> it wasn't the most popular of the recent shows, but I feel like it kind of tied together a lot of the news items and the product ideas that, that uh, came up in 2018. And um, I would like to have another listen to that because I don't think I've listened to that since we put it out. But um, I feel like that one tied it all together. 
Well, we we've got another chance to consider our our our, our favorites and and retrospect because you'll be hitting the one year mark uh, not too far in the future. I don't think we should do a retrospect like every month, Aaron, <laughs> but we can still do it. Uh, okay, uh, I think that and uh, next year at this time we'll be at number uh, one hundred, which means that um, I, you know you could have our our year long and episode one hundred at the same time. Um, well, so that that begs an important question. When yeah. when you set up the website, did you did you design it to support three digit episode numbers, or, or are you going to have just, to have a major text. redesign? No, it's just text. Uh, so so no no Y two K problem. No, no. I mean, it is a problem when I like sort the files because it's not going to be it's not zero zero uh, one. But um, yeah, that'll be my problem on my file system. Um, so I also in terms of the guests, just man, I, I just I, I'm afraid to. I'm afraid to, yeah, I, f- I feel like I'm going to miss some some people. Obviously, I mentioned Chris Messina, uh, Dennis Crowley. That was a big deal. Um, Miriam and Stephanie to start out with. That was pretty awesome. Um, and then more recently, like David Petrusia uh, and uh, Charlie Oliver. I kind of did them together. They they were just such good speakers that they got such a big, um, big reaction. And you know who I, I felt was um, uh, Shirin Mojarad on Causality? Um, yeah, that was, that was a episode. that was a surprising uh, that was a surprising hit because I didn't know what was going to happen when I spoke to her. You know, it's always you know one of the things I'm trying to do on this program is take you know engineers who some of them are do public speaking, but I mean I talk to people who speak a lot for their other roles as well, like some of the other ones I mentioned. But uh, being able to speak to some of these engineers and and get that information out in a really clear way. Um, is kind of really rewarding, and Sharon really, uh, really rose to the occasion on that one. Yeah, it's it's. I like the episodes where we go into something deeply technical. Um, and I guess it's been a while since you've done kind of a, a tutorial. Yeah, um, well, the paradox but, I think is the last one. Yeah, that was a fun one. I that uh, I recently listened to the part of that one again. Um, that one, that one was some. I feel like that's an evergreen episode that um, is going to lead to a lot more good stuff. The solo ones don't get as much downloads, much listens, but I'm still going to continue to do them because we don't do that much. And sometimes you have to do a solo episode, but it's um, it really allows me to go in depth into a topic and t- and really plan out the direction of the conversation. Yeah, you don't have me derailing you with random tangents. Exactly. No, <laughs> no, because you know when we go, we're talking about the we're talking about the news, and we're trying to have a conversation that goes in different directions. Sometimes, actually, we can we do a show where we go in a very specific direction, uh, but it's usually like we write out the questions for each other beforehand. So there's there's got to be something in in the speech recognition and and you know natural language processing algorithm for for mapping out. Are we on a tangent now? That's interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, also like coming back from the tangent, that's always an interesting situation. If you, uh, oftentimes you, we do know where we are in the map, but then sometimes we don't, we just get lost. Yeah. I guess, um, there, there's some, some very narrow AIs that are really good at bringing you back from tangents, but that's, that's because they only know how to talk about the one thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I was lo- also, uh, in terms of 2018, I was looking at the show's topics and I looked at the list of topics that we've covered on the show. Pretty, Pretty cool to read them all out in, in alphabetical order. Are you ready for it? Hit me. Okay. Bayesian inference, Bitcoin and crypto, causality, content moderation and censorship, uh, economics, emerging technology, entrepreneurship, Facebook, Foursquare, Google, information theory, logic, machine learning, management, media, podcasting, politics, product, software engineering, and targeted advertising. So We, we do not have a uniform distribution across the alphabet. No, no, uh, you're not supposed to. Although, if we, we come out, cues. no. Well, if we come out with our quantum computing, I'm gonna. I actually am planning to do a show oh, on excellent. that. Excellent. Uh, but you're right. We have to get every letter of the alphabet if we're going to um, do the local maximum children's book. You know, <laughs> to, it has to be uh, every letter. Um, I, you know, I, I think. Uh, I think we'll be able to to get that in a, in a few years. Um, Adventures in merchandising. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, there's targeted advertising. There's just plain advertising. So I got I got your A there. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> okay. So, um, all right, let's look ahead to 2019. Um, I assume we're going to have a lot of the same issues. As I said in the, um, in the stand-up routine, man, this year was not a positive year for technology. I, I, people have been, and Charlie Oliver mentioned this, and I've even, even when I was talking about this on Dennis and other people have mentioned it, that we were, we're kind of like at a lull in consumer technology. Not as many things are interesting are happening right now. Our, the, the big companies like Facebook and whatnot seem to be taking away features. Um, Amazon, you know, doesn't have their drones out. Uh, it was, you know, they've been doing some amazing things, but, um, you know, a lot of their promises, some of their promises fell flat. Um, although, to be fair to Amazon, it doesn't matter how the package gets there, just that it gets there fast. Yeah. Uh, but, um, no, I, as I mentioned with Facebook and Google and, um, and Tumblr, uh, features are being taken away, not added. People are very unhappy with how they're talking to each other online. People are very unhappy with the security situation. And yes, I am pretty, I'm a tech optimist, but like it, it, was a rough year in terms of, um, you know, in terms of the news item and what happened this year. So I don't know if we could turn that around for 2019. But, well, first of all, do you agree with my assessment on, on 2018 just in the generic, like, you know, how technology has panned out for the year? That might not even make sense as a question. It, but In a word, yes, but in more words. Uh, so I, I was I Some was people are say... always very negative and I, you know, yeah. I, I don't know. G- given that that perception is reality, my my next statement may be irrelevant. But yeah. I don't know. Cl- clearly, the perception is that this year has been, if not treading water, then perhaps some setbacks technology wise because of of all the things that you mentioned. I'm curious if if that's actually the case, or if there have been breakthroughs that we're just not hearing about, we're not talking about that they're they're somehow just under the surface. Or if this oh, year has really been been absent major breakthroughs and advances. Oh, there absolutely has. I mean, as we mentioned before, <laughs> this was the year the first consumer um, self-driving car was put out. Now, it's people are writing, oh, it's kind of dumb. Like it only uh, I've got a guy there in the car. Come on. Or, and and uh, it only takes me to certain places. But I'm pretty sure Google didn't invest billions of dollars into this to launch it just to keep it as as that. So right. There's a lot of things going on to the surface, and a lot of you know promising startups. But but will this year up. be the the watershed moment when they look back and are writing the story of the driverless car? Will they say, ah, 2018 was was the 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 big debut when they finally made it happen? I, I feel like if anything, 2018 will be a footnote, and that yeah, they they did Possibly. some early trials, but it wasn't until 20 insert later year. Yeah, uh, that you're not that, even giving me the that decade. they really <laughs> launched it. Yeah, maybe maybe. Um, although it could be, I don't know. A lot of people say, well, Facebook was founded in 2003, Foursquare in 2009, but in those years, um, and the iPhone in 2007, but in those years, those products weren't very good. Well, like you couldn't do that much with them. Were were they not really good or they just, they seem like they're not really good given where we are today. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, the original iPhone was interesting, like it was a status symbol to have it, but think about it. It wasn't even 3G. Um, it was basically like a it, – it, it was like one of those early internet phones where you can brag to everyone that you can go on the internet, but you really can't practically well, go but, on the internet. But what was the internet back then? I mean, was – It you- was 2007. There was a lot of stuff on the internet. Was YouTube there about? yet? Of course, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm losing track of what was when. I was reading the other day, by the way, it's funny you mentioned YouTube, how like uh, a famous YouTuber is uh, is Bob Ross. He died in 1997. You know, the painter? Yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to say, you, you mean that Bob Ross? Yes, that Bob yeah. Ross. Yeah. Okay. Happy little trees. He And so I saw on Twitter, somebody, I'll find the tweet, somebody said they were talking to a 10-year-old. They're like, oh, how, wow, that's a great painting. How did you learn to paint like that? I learned it from a YouTuber. And they're like, uh, Bob <laughs> Ross? Yeah, do you know him? <laughs> so... It's really interesting how he is, um, he's a YouTuber and YouTube came out maybe, uh, it, it, like, I don't know. I want to say six years after his death. Some things live on. Yeah. I, although I remember when those were in PBS, probably they were reruns and, um, oh, yeah. the, 
it would have been so much better if I had them on YouTube because you can kind of pause and then try to do what he did and then watch it again if you need to watch it again. I can't imagine it being nearly as useful if it's just on once and you just kind of have to catch it. I'm sure some well, people you, try there, to VCR. There are two options. Yeah, you, yeah. you can record it or, or during the pledge drive, uh, you can pledge uh, insert X amount and they'll send you the tape. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm but, sure that they made... Uh, I mean, because well, you, you don't make any money airing things on PBS. I, su- I suppose the the network must buy the show, but I'm yeah. sure they made most of their money on uh, the sale of, of the recordings and and guidebooks and stuff. But it's amazing, if you think about it, how much more useful that is yeah. to have it in well, like, the YouTube Same like, thing form. with cooking shows. Yeah. I mean, it no nobody nobody watches a cooking show as they're cooking and uses as guidance, but you can do that with... The, you know, with short YouTube clips now. Yeah, and your iPad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you kind of watch the show and you sort of... People used to do this. They used to take notes. And, yep. um, you know, on, on paper and then have Little to... Little like, index cards. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, index cards. I still take notes on index cards for the podcast. Um, I just find it... Uh, I find it helpful. That's a little strange, but... No, well, maybe it makes sense. All right, so... I, I would imagine that you're... you're uh, Stand-up routine would be much easier to manage with index cards than trying to shuffle full-size, you know, legal paper. Or no, it was paper. full-size paper. It was. Ah. I printed it out. I, you the you had the desk, printer. though. Yeah, I printed it out in the office printer beforehand, and uh, and uh, yeah, it worked out like that. All right. So, what would we like to see in 2019 in terms of technology and in terms of the local maximum topics? Ooh, I. I haven't so, prepared my wish list. Yeah, we already gave our, our, our predictions. I do think that the whole malaise will turn around either next year or the year after. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to predict that. But let's talk about what you want to hear it's about. It's got to break at some point. The, yeah. the question is, is, is our tech malaise uh, decoupled from our social and political malaise? And, and I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I sort of feel like we have to wait till the end of the decade. Um, I, uh, things just change. I know it's. Uh, I know it has it seems no so meaning. So far away. It's well, twelve so is, months. Is it, so you're saying the end of the decade is is the end of 2019, not right, the end right. of 2020. Right. Yeah. Because because that gets us into this whole well, when did the millennium actually oh, begin? Discussion. I, I hate that. Um, yeah, I like the 2000. I know we started at year one, but come on, that's not my problem. Um, so <laughs> anyway, um, all right. So um, that could be the most controversial thing on that we've issued that we've discussed on the show. When does the millennium start? <laughs> it's, it's not a topic you hear discussed very often. No, no. So topics for 2019. I said I might want to do something on quantum computing. That could be fun. I know that um, people want to hear more on self-driving cars. I might get someone to talk about it from the more technical side. Um, now, are, are there any self-driving uh, uh, kind of enterprises testing out in New York City yet? No, because I know there's 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 supposedly one in the Seaport District in Boston. So uh, I I don't know that I have it in me to uh, to do a uh, you know an, an in the field recording, but I, I would be fascinated to uh, yeah to, well, to hear. Can. A piece of a segment of the show recorded live from the back of a self-driving car. No, in 2018 in New York City was was again the year they took away things. They took away a bunch of Ubers, so mm. now it's more expensive. They, um, you know, the uh, in 2019 the L train is going to go away. A bunch of train stations were on and offline. Um, so yeah, in terms of transportation, not a great year for New York. In terms of 2019 on the show, I have something that I want to see, um, Aaron. The uh, the audience knows nothing about you or what your expertise is in. We've <laughs> we, never we've dropped heard... some hints here and there. Yeah, but we've never done a full interview of you either about your past or about whatever it is that you're an expert in, which I still don't really know what that is. So uh, I, I'm going to have to uh, get you on there at some point, unless the that's, audience that's tells intimidating. Me to stop. But uh, I, I suppose it's fair game at, at this point. At this point, yeah, I still don't have a bio from you for the website. Come on, no, I, or, I did that purpose or a recent headshot. Although you did catch me at the uh, uh, at the tech retreat in a yeah. couple of photos. I'll, I'll tell you, 
I did um, I did that purposefully because now we could have the big reveal. Everybody, you're like this mysterious voice. Nobody knows who you are. And we're <laughs> gonna have this big. It's there's gonna be this lead up to. Oh, we're finally gonna have a show all about Aaron, and uh, everyone's gonna. This listen is a lot to of it. pressure. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> it's not live, so we could always edit. <laughs> As I say, people people actually end up editing very little when I when I say that you could edit anything that you say. Um, people don't reveal anything too crazy and yeah it always but it does take the pressure off yeah um any- well, one, one thing i'll throw out that i i'd like to to see more of in, in 2019 is right. i i keep catching hints that there's major stuff happening in the crypto world big developments and, yeah and i i don't follow it closely enough to know whether that's just well the news media doesn't really understand and so anytime someone says something about crypto they they throw throw words around like that or or if there really are big changes coming and if so should i care uh so right I'm, I'm counting on you to to keep us abreast of what's happening there i will get i definitely have plans to get more crypto focused things obviously we had um christian lundqvist was very good um on the technical side and then we had uh, you know assemblyman clyde vanell and uh, naomi brockwell was excellent um yeah yeah so uh, we're definitely going to do a lot more this year. I, I think I can get some some guests that have kind of a unique perspective. Um, maybe I can debate a crypto doubter. That would be fun. They they seem to be in Everywhere. no short supply these days. I'm sure a lot of people have found them when they went home for Thanksgiving or Christmas <laughs> or whatever, family, uh, all over the place. Aaron, anything else you'd like to see in 2019? I'm I'm looking forward to a year better than 2018 in in every way possible. All right, sounds good to me. Have a uh, happy new year. <laughs> happy new year to everybody out there. That's the show. Remember to check out the website at localmaxradio.com if you want to contact me the host or ask a question that I can answer on the show. Send an email to localmaxradio@gmail.com. This show is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and more. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe to The Local Maximum on one of these platforms and to follow my Twitter account, at Max Sklar. Have a great week. Feel, feel the power. And she said, I don't care what you say, you're going to